Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Okay. Uh, this is our final message in the series, Heart for the House. And next week, we're going to be starting a new series on Sunday morning leading up to Easter. And it really is very um, related to Easter. It's titled, Let Us. And it's taken from scriptures like, let us come boldly before the throne of God. Let us draw near because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's talking about the privileges that have been given us through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So very timely for the season that we're in. And, and uh, we'll bless our souls to realize the the wonderful advantages that Christ has purchased for us on the cross. So plan to be with us starting next Sunday morning for that. So this is our final message in Heart for the House. Turn with me to Haggai chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 2 through 3. This is our vision series for 2023. And this last message is entitled First Place. First Place. Now, I want to share a story with you that I read about a rich guy named Jeff. And he was a very successful lawyer, and he ended up being involved in a terrible car crash on the freeway. The entire driver's side of Jeff's Maserati was ripped clean off along with his arm. He was staggering out of the wreckage, blood pouring from what remained of his arm when a police officer arrived, and Jeff was clearly in a state of shock, and he was mumbling, Oh my God, look at my car, look at my car, it's wrecked. Seeing how badly Jeff was injured, the police officer said, Sir, try to stay calm. We need to be more concerned about your injuries rather than any damage to your car. Jeff slowly looked down to where his left arm should have been and then suddenly screamed, Oh my God, my Rolex, my Rolex is gone. <laughs> as ridiculous as this story is, the truth is that it is really easy to allow things of lesser importance to hold a greater priority in our life than they should. And that was the problem with God's people in Jerusalem in the time of Haggai. The message of the book of Haggai is a message about having the right priority in your life. Read with me, if you will, for now, Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why then are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruin? You're saying it's not time to build the house of the Lord, but yet you have time to build beautiful houses for yourself. That's what God is saying. You know, we tend, uh, people tend to create a false dichotomy between God's house and our house, right? People mistakenly think that these two things are in conflict with one another. That, that you can't have a heart for God's house and a heart for your house at the same time. But that's absolutely wrong. That's not the way that it is. But that was the problem with the thinking of the people of God in Haggai's day. They somehow felt that having a heart for God's house was separate from having a heart for their house. And they thought that if they had a, a, a heart for, for their house, then they can't have a heart 
for God's house at all. And this series is about being about having a heart for God's house, for the vision of God's house, for for what God wants to do in and through us in this community and for where God desires to take us in the future. And the last couple of years, we have been focusing on rebuilding and restoring health to the body of Christ after COVID because COVID dramatically impacted us. You know, we were in two services before COVID and then we went to one and only a handful of people. I praise God that our numbers are coming back. Praise God for all. All of you that are here this morning, amen. And of course, we have quite a few people uh, watching us, several hundred every Sunday morning uh, online, and we encourage you to come back. You can wear your sweats. You can even wear your PJs as long as they're modest, amen? Some of us have gotten too comfortable staying home. Come on out. We'd love to have you back in person. But anyway, we're glad to see all of this coming back, and, and we're starting back up um, our, our ministries full swing uh, in the church, and so we're looking forward to that. But but these last two years have all, all been about restoring health to the the body after COVID, but God wants us to move forward now. He wants us to claim new ground now. He wants us to advance now because God's mission did not get put on hold because of COVID. Amen. His mission has not changed. He is still calling us to reach our city for Christ and to reach the world for Christ. That's why our vision is to be a church not contained within walls, reaching into every sector of our community in the love of God with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to produce fully devoted followers of Christ who love God love one another, love to serve, and love the lost, because those are the four characteristics of a true follower of Christ. A true disciple will be involved in all four of those things. But God wants every believer to be mobilized into his mission, because it will take all of us to accomplish his purpose on earth. He came to seek and to save the lost, and now he has sent us in his stead to do that in our community and in our time. Jesus loves and cares about people, and he's calling us to love and care about people too. We are here to be a bridge, a bridge between those that are lost and Christ, so that our life connects the two and becomes an opportunity for people to come to know Christ. But we can so easily forget about God's calling and we can start filling our lives with things that are of lesser importance things that they create comfort for ourselves and there's nothing wrong with having a comfortable home or a nice tv I'm not saying that but sometimes our life can become all about that that becomes our priority and our life becomes self-centered rather than Christ-centered and obviously, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to attend to our home. In fact, the Bible says that the person who doesn't take care of their home is worse than an unbeliever. So we need to take care of our home. Our families need to be a priority, but God needs to be first priority. Amen? And if God is in his rightful place in our life, we're going to find that our marriages and our families are going to be a lot healthier, and they're going to be a lot more uh, joyous, and they're going to fulfill God's purpose and design for those relationships. So God wants us to take care of our home, but that must not be at the expense or at the neglect of God's house. It's not either or. It's both and, but God's house must be first. And what we see here is that in this passage of scripture, having a heart for God's house allows for your house to be blessed. Having a heart for God's house allows for your house to be blessed. When we have a heart for God's house, we will live under God's blessing. 
How many of you want to live under God's blessings? Amen. About 80% of you, not sure if the other 20% are listening, but amen. <laughs> but the problem with the people in the book of Haggai is that they made their house a priority above God's house. They had more of a heart for their house than they had for the house of God. Now, this is after God had did, done so much for them, right? Their own sin had caused them to get invaded by the Babylonians and taken into captivity. And as a result of their own sin, Jerusalem had been destroyed. Their homes had been destroyed. But for 70 years in captivity, God took care of them. And after 70 years, God came down and delivered them. And he even moved on the pagan king's heart to finance their travel back to Jerusalem and to provide all of the finances from this pagan kingdom, from their treasury, to pay for the rebuilding of God's house. So God had provided all of this. God had done all of this for them. And God commanded them that when they got back to Jerusalem, that the first thing they were supposed to do was what? Rebuild his house, rebuild his temple. But when they got back to Jerusalem, they began to build their own houses. And God's house became of secondary importance. They said, it's not time to build God's house. God's house can wait. We need to take care of our house first. And I want you to know something. That, that's exactly the deception of what Satan tries to do with us to get our life so busy, to get us so preoccupied with our needs and our problems and our concerns to where God's calling is neglected and God's house is a secondary thought in our life. That's the enemy's goal and objective. God calls each of us to take ownership of his house. This is not my house. This is not a house that belongs to the assemblies of God. This is our house. This is your house. It's, my, it's the Lord's house, but we need to take ownership of it and say, you know what? This is my church. This is my spiritual family. Amen. So he calls us to have a heart for his house, to care about what he cares about. You can't find fulfillment by living your life in a way that seeks just to fulfill your selfish desires. Because I'll tell you, that kind of life is empty and it just grows emptier with every passing day. If you live just for your own pleasure, for your own comfort, you are going to find yourself with an aching hole of emptiness in your soul because only God can fill your soul. The greatest path to meaning and fulfillment for our life on this earth is serving others in the name of Jesus. That's where we find purpose. That's where we find joy. That's where we find fulfillment. There's nothing that matters more in life than what we are doing for God and doing for others in his name. That is where our life is fulfilled. That is where we find our meaning. Now, the second principle we find from Haggai is that we need to make God's house and his heart for others our priority. That's why the house, this church, exists for the people who are not yet here. And we talked a lot about that last week. Amen. We don't exist for ourselves. We, we come here to be strengthened, to be discipled, to be equipped. Why? So that we can go out and reach those that do not yet know Christ. So the church is not here just for us. The church is here for the world. And we are the church, and we are here for everybody who yet needs to hear about Jesus Christ. 
So we need to be a people who have a heart for God's house, to care about God's house, to care about his purpose, his mission, his priority. His mission is our mission. And we are his house, so we need to own the atmosphere. Have you ever heard of someone saying, talking about home field advantage? Y'all know what home field advantage is? All right. It's a real phenomena in sports that when a team plays at their home field or arena, they have an advantage over their opponent. You know why? The cheers and the enthusiasm of the home crowd fan creates an atmosphere that motivates players to find that extra push deep within, even when they may be tired, even when they may be uh, down in the points, but they are going to press through to play to their full potential because of the encouragement of the crowd, their home crowd. Amen. As the church, we need to own the atmosphere. We can change the spiritual atmosphere of this church when we take ownership. How? Oh, well, you know, I think the spirit should be moving more. Okay. Pray more. Oh, I think the gifts of the Spirit should be more in operation. Wonderful. God said he wants his gifts to operate through you. So step out in faith more and let his gifts be released through you. Hallelujah. Oh, I think that we should be visiting uh, the sick more. Wonderful. Join the deacon ministry. Hallelujah. You see, this church is what we make it. Because we are the church. So we, in great part, create the atmosphere. We control the atmosphere. Amen? And so we need to come in here with an atmosphere of, of servanthood. God, how can you use me? I want you to flow through me. I want you to use me to bless somebody. We need to come in here prayed up. We need to come in here with a heart of encouragement. Instead of, uh, not that we have any criticizers here, they're all at the church down the street, but instead of coming in and saying, oh, well, you know, I didn't like the way the worship team sounded this morning, or I didn't like the message that pastor preached, or, you know, the, 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 the uh, projection team, they didn't have the right words up there. Instead of coming in and saying something like that, walk up to the projection team and say, I appreciate you so much for being here every week so that I can sing from the words on the screen. Walk up and tell the worship team, you know, I appreciate you so much because you're up there leading beautiful worship. And if you weren't there, Pastor Maria would have to sing. And that would be sheer torture. Amen. So speak some encouragement. Speak some light. You know, the, the Bible says our tongue has the power of life and death. Speak some life into the people that are serving. Amen. It'll be an encouragement. It'll change the atmosphere. So if you want your church to become more loving, then let's be more loving. Let's reach out to one another. Let's reach out to our visitors. You saw who they were earlier this morning. They raised their hand and we have a loving church. Don't get me wrong. We have a wonderful family type church, but we can always grow, right? Paul prayed for the churches in the New Testament that they would grow and abound more and more in love. And I'm praying that for us, that we would grow and abound more and more in love. So whenever we see a visitor, visitor in our midst, you know, be sure as soon as the service is over with, instead of speaking to you for and no more, you know, that little clan that you have, because we all have them, amen. It's natural. We have our friends and we see them on Sunday and we want to talk to them. But before, you know, your, your, your clique will stick around, right? They'll wait for you because they love you, hopefully. 
But, you know, the visitors, they're not going to stick around. So you go to them first. Make them your priority. Amen. Make them feel right at home. Love on them. Let them know they're welcome, that they're valued, that they belong here. Amen. Do that every week. Do that every week. And we will become the most loving church in South Florida so that when anybody walks in here, the love in this place will just knock their socks off. Amen. They'll be so glad. If we want our church to provide more personal care for those who are sick or in need, then let's step up and let's get involved, like I said, in the deacon ministry. If we want our church to be more evangelistic and we're sitting around saying, why aren't we reaching more people? Wonderful. We have a great opportunity for you. Our evangelism team goes out every Saturday and they knock on doors in our community and they share Jesus with people. So we encourage you to go out with our evangelism team on Saturdays. They meet here at 1030 and you are welcome. Uh, to go out with them and let's reach more people for Christ. Let's make a difference in our community. We need to own the atmosphere. We are the church that we make it. I just let that sink in for a moment. We are the church that we make it. So if we see something that needs to be improved, let's step up and improve it. Amen. Let's get involved. Let's make a difference. If you're a believer, when you walk in this place, I want you to also understand that your worship matters, that your heart for God matters, your service matters, your prayers matter. They make a big difference on the atmosphere in this place. They make a big difference on the lives that will be touched in our midst because somebody needs what you have and you have Jesus. Somebody needs to experience his love. Somebody needs to experience uh, his presence, and they can experience that through you. I remember several years ago, we had an altar service like we had earlier here, and there was a lady, and I still remember she was standing right about there, and she was just crying, crying. And I went up, and I laid hands on her forehead, as I normally do, and I prayed for her, and I was about to, to walk away, and I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to just give her a hug, and I just turned around, and I hugged her, and she just started to weep, and she said, I was just telling God, God, if you love me, if you truly love me, give me a tangible sign that you love me, and she said, when you turned and hugged me, it was as if God was hugging me and saying, yes, I do love you. <laughs> Folks, the simplest things can make a difference in somebody's life. You can be the answer to somebody's prayer. Amen. And God can touch them through you. So we want to create an atmosphere. We want to create an atmosphere where people can walk in these doors and they can meet Jesus. They can meet him the moment they step in and see the smile on one of our greeters or ushers faces and they feel the love and they feel the welcome. Amen. They can encounter the love of Jesus just in that alone. Amen. And then in our services, we want to be praying so that the Holy Spirit will be here so that when they come in, they can just sense there's something different in this place. I've had so many people through the years tell me, I just came in there and I don't know what it is. I just started to weep. And, and I know that that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's what we want to happen when people come in here is that they will encounter Jesus, that they will encounter his presence. Amen. That they will experience his love and that their lives will be changed. That's what we want to see happen and that's what we want to be a part of because we have a heart for his house so let's own the atmosphere and let's step up and let's make it what God wants it to be amen a third principle we see we need to make God's house the priority 
of our lives. Making God's house our priority brings blessing to our house. God asked the people of Haggai's day to make his house the priority of their lives. And here's how he asked it in verse 8. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And then he goes on and he talks about how he will bless them. Pastor Brian Houston made a powerful statement. He said, you will never come in second by putting God first. You'll never come in second by putting God first. Jesus said it this way. Don't be like the unbelievers who seek after what they'll eat and what they'll wear and uh, where they'll live because all of those things preoccupy their thoughts. But instead, your father knows what you have need of. Therefore, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is saying, if you put God first, you can't lose. Because if you make God your priority, God will make your needs his priority. Did you hear me? You make God your priority, and God will make your needs his priority. Amen. That's why you can't come in second by putting God first. Amen. Because you can never outgive God. Praise the Lord. So we need to overcome our busyness and our selfishness, and we need to prioritize the kingdom of God through the local church first in our life. And you realize that as you put him first, he will take care of everything else that you need. He will bless you. When you take care of the things of God, if you take care of the things that God cares about, God will take care of the things that you care about. And even more importantly, he knows what you really need. Sometimes we're going after stuff that we think we need, but he knows what we really need. Sometimes we pray for stuff that we think we need, but God knows better. A minister friend shared with us once how when she was younger, she prayed and she prayed and she prayed to marry a particular guy that she was, she thought, in love with. And he was in church and he, he was serving the Lord at the time and everything. And it just didn't happen. It didn't work out. And he ended up marrying someone else, and she was discouraged at first. But then she met someone else, and she went on to marry him. And he has supported her and encouraged her in ministry. And they both pastor together. They're co-pastors. The first guy she wanted to marry, his marriage was a total different story. He was very controlling and domineering of his wife, which means that, my friend, she would never have been able to fulfill her ministry. He was very controlling and domineering of his wife, the guy that she originally wanted to marry. And his marriage ended up being a train wreck, and he ended up divorced. And she said, I am grateful that God didn't answer my prayer to marry him. Sometimes we think we know what we need, but God knows better. And if we'll seek God first, he'll give us what we really need. Amen. You know, uh, sometimes we... we, we, we like a child, we think we know what's best for us. You know, like a, a child would think, you know, um, eating a, p a pound of candy would be what's best for them at the moment. 
but we as parents know better, amen? We, we know that, that they're going to have a, a tummy ache and there's going to be a problem later on if we let them eat a pound of candy. But like children, sometimes we think we know what's best for us. We think we know what need. But God knows best. And the scripture says when, when God adds to our life, he adds no sorrow. When we add, we add sorrow. But when God adds, he adds no sorrow. How many of you would like to avoid some sorrow in your life? Amen. <laughs> Then seek God and let him be the one that brings the right things into your life. God knows what we need, even when we think we know better. And God knows when we need it. And if we'll seek first his kingdom, we can trust that he will give us what we need. Making God's house our priority also brings fulfillment to our lives. God attached fulfillment to a heart for the building of his house. In verse 9, he says, You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. Uh, uh, in, in other versions, it talks about how their houses were paneled with the cedars from Lebanon. So these were not just you know, ordinary houses. They were building luxurious houses for themselves. And something we need to see is that our priorities are revealed by our spending. Our credit card statement and our bank statement don't lie. What we spend the most on is what's most important to us. Am I right? If, if we're a foodie and we love eating out, you're going to see a lot of restaurant charges on your... Uh, Am I right? Amen. If fitness is important to you, you're probably going to see some kind of recurring payment for some fitness center in the area because fitness is important to you. If you're a shopaholic and it's important to you to uh, wear something new every week, then guess what? You're going to see a lot of charges from the retail stores on your account because your, your bank statement doesn't, doesn't lie. It tells you what's most important to you. And if you love God and his house, that'll be revealed on your bank statement as well. Amen. It's gotten awful quiet in here. I only see a few people clapping. Amen. But, but God says to the people in Haggai, through Haggai, he says, why do you think you're poor? Why do you think you're struggling? Why is your house not blessed? And God says, because I'm God and I will not settle for being second in your life. Amen. They were asking, why? Why? Our, our, our harvest failing. Why, when we bring home our money, is it like putting it in pockets with holes in it? Why can we never get ahead? While God was asking, why have you put your house ahead of my house? God had removed his blessing from them. God says the struggles, the difficulties, the lack that they were experiencing is because they allowed his house to lay in ruins while they were busy building their own fine houses. God is not saying you can't have a fine house. Don't hear me saying that. But God is just saying his house needs to be first. Amen. So God is saying the reason you're struggling the way you are is you put your interests, your needs, your desires ahead of me, ahead of my house. Do you know that you can be busy doing a lot of stuff and not fulfilled? Do you know that you can be successful advancing in your career and not happy? Do you know you can have a lot of stuff and not have joy? Why? Because there will be holes in your life. Whatever you add to your life, it's just going to drain out. 
It's just going to drain out, leaving you empty. Why is that? Because we were made to love and serve God, and there is an empty place in our soul that only he can fulfill. And that only happens when we put him first. And when we put him first, he brings blessing. He brings fulfillment. He brings joy. He brings enthusiasm for life when we have a heart for what he cares about. The greatest joy and fulfillment in life is found when we give our lives in service to God by serving others. So God says to the people of of Jerusalem, he says to them, stop making excuses and stop saying the time is not right to build my house. It's not convenient. God says, stop being selfish. Stop building your own house and putting your own interests ahead of mine and put my house first. And when the people of Jerusalem figured this out, they responded. In verse 12, it says, the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord. And they started to make God's house their priority. They began to obey God's command to rebuild the temple. And then when they stepped up in faith and obedience, guess what? God responded. Look at verses 13 and 14. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. Folks, when we get on God's side, He is with us. So often, we want God to be with us when we're doing the stuff we want to be doing. We say, God, I'm doing this. Bless it. God, I'm doing this. Prosper it. But God says, get on my side. Do what I've called you to do. And I am with you. So the Lord says, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of uh, Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people, they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's army. God sparked their enthusiasm. Do you know where that word comes from? Enthusiasm, it comes from the Greek en theo. En means in, and theo means God. And it means to be in God or to be full of God. And so when they stepped up in faith and began to obey, the fullness of God came in and filled all of that emptiness that they were experiencing inside. And now they began to experience joy and excitement again. They were not just going through the motions. You know, some folks are just going through the motions of living and serving God, but they don't have joy. I heard the testimony of a person who posted on Facebook that they had been dealing with some issues and they felt lonely, joyless, and depressed. They said, I knew that what I was feeling was not real, but it's how I felt. They said, I'm tired of feeling this way. So I'm going to a nursing home, a residential care center, and I'm going to find somebody who's feeling the same way I'm feeling, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell them about the joy of knowing and loving Jesus. And you know what? When they did that for somebody else, their whole mood changed. And they began to experience joy and peace again. Folks, that's what having a heart for God looks like. Even when you're dealing with your own issues, amen? Even if you're going along and you're having your own struggles or you're feeling out of it or you're feeling down, We can serve somebody else, and you'll be amazed how that will bless you. Amen? 
That's the heart of the gospel. Jesus loved us. He emptied himself for us. He gave himself on the cross for us so that we could have abundant life, so we could have a joy-filled life. So the Lord sparked enthusiasm in the people of Jerusalem. And that happened when they took ownership of what God cared about. When they took ownership of building God's house. When they made God's priority their priority, God got on their side and began working for them and through them. God said, I'm with you. And God filled them with his presence. And the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Folks, that's the key to living a fulfilled, joy-filled life of meaning and purpose. Get on God's side. Do what God is calling us to do. The last several weeks we've been talking about um, having a heart for God's house. And we've been encouraging you to make a commitment to make God's house your priority by committing to pray regularly for our church. By committing to get involved in serving in ministry. And there's so many opportunities for you to serve. You can serve in our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our young adults ministry, our rural rangers, our missionettes. If you uh, like to work with computers, you can serve with our media team, whether it's a projection team or, or the live stream team. If you like to run cameras, uh, that's available as well. There's so many opportunities, ushers, greeters, the evangelism team, so many opportunities for us to serve and use the gifts and talents that God has given us. And so we've been encouraging you uh, to serve. We've been encouraging you to commit to tithing, which is the minimum that God requires of those who are his people. That's just doing the basic of what God has called us to do. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. He's talking about ministry in the house of God. He says, if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have room enough to take it in. Try me and put me to the test. Do you know that's the only time God ever says to test him in the Bible? The only time. God says, prove me. And I'll show you how when you put me first, I will bless you. I will bless you. When you put God first in your life, in your time, in your finances, God will bless you. So as we conclude this series on a heart for God's house. I reiterate the call to commitment, a call to pray. And I encourage every single one of you to make a commitment to pray regularly for this church and its ministries and its leaders. A commitment to serve. Get involved. Let God use you. Let God work through you to be a blessing to others. Give your tithes. That's the minimum that God asks of us, 10% of our income. Give it faithfully unto the Lord. Because you see, everything we have comes from God and belongs to God. He lets us use it. He's so gracious, and he only asks for 10%. So we give him the tithe. And if you're giving the tithe, then we ask you that you would prayerfully consider making a faith commitment to our building fund above the tithe to say, as God blesses and enables me, I will give X number weekly, monthly, annually to build the house of the Lord. So if you want to do that, there's a little red card on the back of the pew in front of you called Heart for the House. There you can make 
a commitment to our building fund. If you want to get involved in ministry, there's a little blue card on the back of your pew. It's a connection card. Fill in your name and information. Flip it over on the back. Check off the ministry that you're interested in being involved in. And somebody will get in touch with you to get you involved. But let's all join together and do what God is calling us to do. Let's build his house. Let's work together. Let's pray together. Let's give together to build his house. And when we build his house, our lives and our homes will be blessed as well. You know, before we give an altar call for us to make that commitment, I want to speak to those of you who might be here that don't yet know Jesus. And I want you to know you're not here by accident. This church was founded 30 years ago to be here today for such a time as this so that you could be here this morning and experience God's presence and hear that he loves you and that he wants a relationship with you. You know, all of us are sinners, and sin separated us from God. It cuts us off from God. The Bible says we were dead, spiritually dead, in our trespasses and sins. And that's the whole reason that Jesus left heaven, came to earth as a human, and lived a sinless life, and offered his life on the cross as a sacrifice, the payment for our sins. So the moment that we repent of our sins, and the word repent simply means to turn away from, we recognize we've been heading down the wrong road, a road that leads to destruction, and we make a U-turn. I'm so grateful God allows U-turns. Amen. We make a U-turn, say, God, forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for you. I ask you to cleanse me of all sin and come and live inside of me and help me to live for you. The moment we do that, the Bible says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive. We become a son or daughter of God, and we begin a lifelong journey of learning to love and live for him. And if you're here today and you have not yet repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus, or maybe you did it some years ago and you want to come back, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads right now. And if you'd like to ask Jesus into your heart and you would say, pray for me, pastor, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I want to give my life to him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down? Just slip it up. and Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Just slip it right up and put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. All right. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And it's not my words, but it's your heart, meaning what you pray. God is going to do exactly what you asked him to do. And I'm going to ask all believers to pray along to encourage those that are praying it for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I turn to you in faith, and I ask you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life, amen, and we welcome you to the family of God. 
We want to ask you, if you've got your phone with you, if you would just text I prayed to the number on the screen or online type I prayed. Why? Because we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet to help you understand the prayer that you just prayed and the next steps to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord because the prayer you just prayed is a beginning, not an ending. And so we encourage you just to text I prayed to the number on the screen. You'll receive a response message with a link. Click on that link. Fill in your name and email address so that we can send you this e-booklet. But once again, congratulations. And we want to encourage those that just prayed, along with every believer, to do three things regularly so that we can grow in the Lord. One, talk to God every day. That's what we call prayer. Thank him for the good things in your life. Ask him to help you with whatever problems, difficulties, or decisions you're making. Ask his help. At a very basic level, that's prayer. God is your loving Heavenly Father. He wants to talk to you every single day. Second thing we need to do is let God talk to us every day. You might say, Pastor, how does God talk to us? The number one way is through the Bible. That's his message to us. If you don't have a printed Bible, you can download the YouVersion app, Y-O-U version app on your phone. It's free. There's never a charge to read the Bible there. And I encourage you to start reading in 1 John. Just pray before you read and say, God, help me to understand what I'm reading and how to apply it to my life. Do that every day and you'll start growing. Thirdly, get connected to a local Assembly of God church. Of course, if you're here in South Florida, we encourage you to get connected here at New Life. We have a wonderful church family that will walk alongside of you, encourage you, pray for you, and, and help you to live out your faith in Christ. So we encourage you to get connected here. But if you're out of the area, find an Assembly of God church close to you and get connected there. Put down roots. Don't just attend, but build relationships there, and it will enable you to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But once again, congratulations. Amen. Amen. As we close out, I want to talk to those of us who've already placed our faith in Christ. He's calling each and every one of us to put him and his house as the priority in our life. And if we have been blessed and ministered to by this, his church, then we pray that we would have a heart for his church, that we would love his house, and that it would be a joy and desire to do whatever it takes to support and fulfill the vision that he has given for this house by taking simple acts of faith starting today. And those simple acts of faith are as easy as saying, Lord, I will pray every day for this church that you will bless it, that you will bless and strengthen the leaders, that you would strengthen the ministries of the church, that you will bring new people. Just pray daily for the church. That's one commitment. Another commitment, get involved. Say, Lord, I know you called me not to sit on a pew, but you have called me to serve to use the gifts and talents you've given me to serve. Just take a blue card, fill it out, click off, check off what ministry you want to be a part of. It's an act of faith you can take right now. Another act of faith, just commit to tithe if you're not tithing. Lord, I'm going to prove you. I'm going to put you to the test just like you said, and I'm going to start tithing because I know you promised you'll bless me. And then another act of faith we can take is to make a commitment, a faith promise to give to the building fund by taking one of those red cards on the back of the pew and just saying, God, as you bless me, as you enable me, I will give this amount and just fill out that card. And in a moment, you can just turn it in by laying it right down here in front of the pulpit. But if you have a heart for this house and you say, Lord, I want to take ownership and I want to be a part of what you're doing in this place and I want you to use me 
to help build your house. If that's your heart, would you stand to your feet and just make your way to this altar as we just close out in prayer? Hallelujah to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you for these many, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, that have heard and received your word this morning. As you come to this altar, just speak to him from your heart right now as I pray over us. Just speak to him from your heart. Make your commitment to the Lord. He wants to hear your voice as I pray over us. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, thank you for so many that are standing at this altar right now, Lord God. And they're saying, Lord, I have a heart for your house. This house has blessed me. This house has encouraged me. This house has ministered to me. This house has prayed for me. This house has been a blessing in my life. And Lord, I have a heart for this house because I know that there are many people, Lord God, that need what is here, Lord God. They need the ministry that is here. They need to know Jesus. They need to experience Jesus, Lord God. And Father, as we stand before you today, Lord God, we make a commitment a commitment of prayer, a commitment of service, and a commitment of giving, Lord God, so that your house may be built in this community, Lord God, so that the lives of those around us, Lord, may be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that lives may be transformed for your glory and honor, O oh God. Father, we commit ourselves to this end today, and we pray and ask the help of your Holy Spirit as we go from this place, that your Holy Spirit would remind us gently of our commitment and that your Holy Spirit would enable us to fulfill it, Lord God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's close out in song. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. One five two two. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.